Welcome to the Freelance Forward podcast, a show that helps you create and run your own business to enjoy the freedom, control, and flexibility it brings. I'm your host Ching Chen, a freelance conference interpreter and language instructor. On this show, I sit down with fellow freelancers from different industries to discuss lessons learned, ideas and strategies, challenges and opportunities. So the rest of us can connect, share best practices, and gather tools and resources to move our freelance business forward. Thanks for spending some time with us today, and let's get started. As a young journalist at the newspaper The Date, I was sent out to burst the bubbles of commercial talks about sustainable investing. At that time, the prevailing belief was that sustainable investing must be greenwashing. But is that really the case? If there's one lesson I learned from my studies, it's that the way we organize our economy is not a natural law. We make choices; therefore, sustainability should also be a possibility. Later, as a journalist at the magazine Trends, I often wrote about new business models and different perspectives on the economy and the financial system. This is how I have been swayed into sustainable investing. Because I believe that we can make sustainable choices, even with our money. Because I believe that sustainable investing makes sense, that it's feasible. But also because I find it necessary. What's the alternative anyway? Meanwhile, I remain committed to the mindset with which I approached my first interviews about sustainable investing. That is never cynical, always constructively critical. Does that introduction sound kind of familiar to you? It does, does sound familiar. It's been a while since I've first heard it. I wrote it. It's been yeah, come, like two years or something. But yes, I do yeah. know where it comes from. But yeah, you I, know where it comes yeah, from. Yeah, I, I don't read it often myself, of course. But it's uh, from our website. Yes, exactly. I'm going to tell our listeners where it actually comes from. So I just translated Jasper's own words in the about us or about me section yeah. from. Um, the website of sustainable investing from Dutch into English because I just I just find it so well written. Ah,、uh-huh, cool. Thank you. Because <laughs>、nice. you know, as many people know, I'm a huge advocate of speaking concisely and clearly. So I'm really fond of that writing、okay. style of yours. All right. Thank you so much. <laughs> Starts with a nice compliment. <laughs>、um, it's quite different from what I would usually do to introduce my guest. So. How about we shake things up a little bit today? Okay. You tell us who you are, what you do, and the idea behind changing paths from a fairly stable, well-paid in-house position to the world of freelancing. Yeah. Well, my name is Jasper. I work as a financial journalist about half the time, and then other half of my time I spend in a, a project. Bit of not even a startup yet, but it's a, a project that I do together with a, a lecturer from a university college, and that is that we try to train people how they can make more sustainable financial choices. And so I divide a bit my time between those two.、Um, I'm still editor in chief of a magazine that is on investing, but not on sustainability or not enough because、mm-hmm. I do have a say in it, and I try to push it there a little bit as well. But it's it's more. A classical approach, I would say, to investing, and then in my other side project, I am trying 
to make it more normal for people to also make take sustainability into account when you also make financial decisions because i i believe that a lot of people find sustainability important they do make little adaptations in their life they will eat less meat for example or they will fly less or, or so they they take questions like the cl climate uh, into account but not enough mm -hmm. when it comes to financial decisions so that's what we try to change me not alone of course there's a lot of people in that field but that's yeah. what we try to do yeah mm. and what was the motivation or the rationale behind you quitting your um, in-house journalist position and mm. job to start freelancing Uh, to start freelancing, it was actually because I, I did a travel for a year. So I, I rode my bike to China from Brussels. Yeah, 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 yeah that one. And, and, oh, and it started from there, actually. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. So we, we left from Brussels and, and, and went on a year a trip with a bike. And on the, in the meantime, I still wanted to work a bit. And so actually freelancing gave me the freedom to, to travel and still work not too much but still i write about my travels and and i wrote uh yeah still economic articles uh, for for the same magazine that i that i quit my job uh and and then i saw in that year i discovered the 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 many perks of working as a freelancer mm -hmm. so that's how i i started and when i came back i i had the offer to start somewhere but i i there's advantages and disadvantages and I put them on a scale there was definitely at this moment in my life I'm very comfortable as a freelancer and this question might be a little bit off topic but I really want to know what is the biggest um, takeaway from for you from that cycling trip all the way from Belgium to to China as the destination I think that just how nice people are It's it's because you're on a bicycle and and people are amazed like what are you doing here on your bicycle and and just people are so friendly and in, in the sense that they would just offer you tea or it's it's basically in a lot of cultures so it's not one country that stands out in that field it's just everywhere where you come people are just a lot of times pleased to see you they're curious they're friendly uh, if you want to pitch your tent somewhere or you ask can I stay here a lot of times people will say yes I didn't have that many no's actually yeah and do you feel the hospitality or the curiosity more I mean the further you go to the east or it has nothing much to do with I, I think hospitality countries. you can find in, in, in Belgium and Germany as well I think it, there is more the curiosity because you're you're, mm. you're you become stranger when you're like all packed up and you have four bags on a bicycle and you're in the mountains of Tajikistan then people are more astonished like or oh, what do you do here or something so but and the, what the, do you tell them when they ask you what are you doing here well with a the couple of words and with a lot of signs because conversations was uh, not always that easy <laughs> you, we try to right. tell why we're there and and where we come from and and yeah, just have a nice conversation with people as well like we try to ask questions like how are your children and how is your life and and I was already thinking a lot about climate and then we were, were mm. trying to, to see how, how people deal with it and, and how do they just survive and, and live day to day. It's, uh, yeah. Exactly. So I'm, I'm just thinking about um, you must have seen a lot of different ways of living. Mm. Some people are just living on the edge with the bare minimum. 
do you think their ways of living are in a way more sustainable than us or I in guess, other words yeah so I, I mean they they have less that consumer mentality i guess so in that sense it's it's more sustainable but it's not that i mean these people also want to have a more comfortable life and it, I, it's one of the questions of course how can we have a, a planet with eight billion people and all have a good living standard so it's not that you can expect from other people in other places you have to stay poor or something mm -hmm. so I, I think people aspire as well a certain level of material richness but yeah it's a bit of cliche but a lot of times people are just pretty happy that's at least the, the sense I got yeah and and what does sustainability mean to you <laughs> that is a, that is a good question yeah how well, we try not to define it that much but uh, like I, there is the definition of the UN for example right where sustainability is just provide for generations today with respect for generations to come I think that, uh, that for me that is a pretty good definition in the sense and uh, there's probably tons of people at the UN who actually thought about it mm, before they published their, so, what yeah. 10 SDGs on yeah yeah yeah, yeah there's 17 SDGs 17. Yeah, yeah 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 so yeah in that sense I, I think that for me that's a good definition it's just okay we have to provide for today but also think about the many many people that will come after us and and they should have a livable planet still too so mm. i heard this architect or interior designer or furniture designer i don't remember what his exact title is um from this netflix series called the future of mm -hmm. for example the future of health the future of um fashion one episode is dedicated to architecture so they're talking about how we try to build in a more sustainable way in the future, uh, the future of skyscrapers, basically. He said, sustainability for me means wanting less, doing less. So you need less and consume less. What do you think? I think that's part of the story. Absolutely, for sure. Us living in a pretty rich country in the West, that we should maybe be happy with a bit less. Uh, I think... A lot of people could do with a little bit I get my happiness from buying stuff and and all that mm. but I don't think we will with a, a phil philosophical answer to the question we will not solve the many challenges in the world so I, I, I do see what he means but I, I guess it's more complicated it's part of the answer but not the full answer I would probably like to start by quoting um, a sentence from your bio. Okay. You said, at that time, the prevailing belief was that sustainable investing must be greenwashing. So would you mind explaining to us what greenwashing actually is? Yeah, greenwashing very basically means that you pretend something to be more sustainable than it actually is. So in the sense of... You meaning us as individuals as well as no companies. like like a bank or or in, in my world and of finance it's it's a bank claiming that a financial product for example is sustainable or an investment is sustainable while it's not or at least not as sustainable as they like it to be or pretend it to be and i think when 
what I mean that that was a period in 2012 when I started as a journalist mm. you also saw this whole boom in ESG investing and all different <laughs> types of investing uh, I'll, I'll explain you a, a, a bit yeah. more about that later I but yeah I've worked with uh, very critical journalists and that's very good because that's your job as a journalist but also I struggled with that feeling like okay but it's easy to break things down and like everything sustainable or sustainable finance must be greenwashing and I was like but why there must be also don't get me wrong there's a huge problem with greenwashing definitely in the financial sector but there must be people who who take this serious and who actually believe that you can make a difference with your money and that's something I believed in as well like it matters what you do with your money and so I wanted to get past only that critical uh, having that critical attitude, attitude or yeah. something and and so sometimes for me journalists journalists in general can be critical but sometimes they become cynical mm -hmm. I think for sure after many years because you hate something for the sake of hating it. Yeah, so. exactly. So they're not mm. actually listening anymore mm. or, or giving the person they talk to actually a chance because they just say up front, like, it's going to be greenwashing and they're actually not having a second look. And, and so that's something I noticed in the beginning of my career, like everything about sustainability had to be greenwashing. A lot of it was probably, <laughs> but still, I, I thought we had to give it a fair chance and... and had a second glance at it, maybe. Mm. Actually, I, I heard about this concept of greenwashing not long ago. Mm. Um, but okay, I'm a dummy in the field. So this actually shows how poorly informed I am <laughs> in this field. That's why I'm learning a lot from you today. So I was actually interpreting the um, competition summer school for the College of Europe. Okay. So the participants that day, they were paying a visit to DG competition at the, at the European Commission. And they were discussing how could market players, competitors, especially competitors, contribute to green transition through collaboration and how greenwashing can be avoided. But of course, from the viewpoint of um, legislation, regulation and uh, law enforcement. Mm. So before we delve into the topic of sustainable investing, Let's focus on a very important aspect of financial planning, especially for us freelancers. Yeah. Um, that is retirement plans and pension saving. We all know that for our listeners from abroad, state pension alone in Belgium will not give us enough support for a good quality of life during our retirement years. No. I don't know if you have already calculated your pension. Oh, I don't dare to do that. I, I, I mean, had a I know. first look a couple of years ago, but then I never looked again once I started really? freelancing. So, but uh, It's pathetic, I, I isn't it? Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. There, there's a, a big difference between what uh, somebody who's working as an independent gets and somebody who works actually for the state. So, Yeah, yeah if your future of retirement days totally depend on that and the future is just dire <laughs> yeah absolutely um, that's uh they it's still a system that thinks that everybody who works as an independent will become rich or something or or as a hugely successful or something and it's also from a time when people didn't have mixed careers well well a lot of us will, right. will work and and at a, co a couple of years in, in in one system and then switch become a freelancer and then it's maybe ARB, yeah. yeah and and so it's uh, yeah it's uh 
from back in the days. But yeah, reforming here is not always that easy. So yeah. <laughs> in Belgium, there are some specifically designed retirement planning options for the self-employed people to supplement their state pension, such as uh, VAPZ. Um, that's what we call the voluntary pension scheme in English, yeah. or EPT, Individual Retirement Savings Plan, and some other options. So how about you walk us through the available options out there and also share with us how you are saving at the moment for pension? Okay, I can do that, but I, I want to give a disclaimer first that I'm a, absolutely not a financial advisor, of course, so I can explain a bit from my situation. I can explain from my f financial journalistic background a bit how the systems work, but I'm, I'm not for anybody to say like, you have to do this, you have to do that. But there is, so basically you have this, what they call the third pillar, and, and that is where you save uh, yourself. And, and there is a fiscal tax break, right? So that is a scheme that the government actually promotes, not only for freelancers, but for everybody. Then there is the, it's called the second pillar. And a lot of people will do that through their work. But since as a freelancer, you're not employed, mm -hmm. you can do that yourself. That at the VZP, you call the Vrije Aanvullend Zelfstandige Pensioen in Dutch. Uh, that is something that you can do yourself. And so that that's the, the three pillars that we call of the Belgian pension system. The first one is the government one. Then there is the, the one you, you normally have through your employer, but as an independent, you do it yourself. And then there is the third one is with a tax break. So uh, part of what you pay into you can deduct from your taxes is there and, a ceiling uh yeah 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 there is a, i don't know the numbers i didn't uh, learn the numbers by heart but it's uh on a whole year something you can choose between two amounts right one is mm -hmm. at around 900 euros a month and uh, a year and the other one is a thousand two hundred and you get 25 percent or 30 percent don't completely quote me on those numbers i didn't learn them by heart but there there there's that's not a large amount of money either, right? Like, so you, you, that's also not going to give you the, the safest pension or anything. So then there is the, the fourth pillar, and that is actually what you save yourself. It's just basically without government involvement, no pension funds or anything. Because, okay, like the third pillar, you get, uh, you get the tax deduction, but a lot of times the costs are high. Uh, mm. So sometimes they call it a... Yeah, that it's a, almost a subsidy for banks. So it's it's a good system and a couple of things. And then I'll I'll come to what I actually do is is what is good about the state system and the tax system. It forces people to have discipline to 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 choose every month or the start of the year. I'll set a certain amount of money aside and I leave it there until I'm sixty, sixty-five of. Probably our generation will have to work even a bit longer. And so it's about that discipline and not making emotional emotions. I'll, I'll talk a bit later, uh, emotional decisions, sorry. And, and so what I do myself is I put every month a little bit of money on the site and every time on, on the same date and I buy very cheap, it's called index funds, exchange traded funds. Uh, I can maybe later explain a bit yeah, we'll what that, that is. Later, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that is a, f a form of uh, investing that I do myself. It's very diversified. It's uh, diversified in time as well. I do it every month. You can also choose every three months or something. And I really, really pay a lot of attention to costs because that, that is super important for in the end your return. So you want to invest cheap. And that's basically it. well diversified, cheap investing. That is a uh, 
what I try to do. Yeah. So before we dive a little bit deeper into yeah. that, so you do uh, index um, with a bank or broker? Yeah, with an online broker. Yeah, and I do it sustainable, of course, because that's what I, <laughs> what I'm trying to promote as well, and that's also uh, possible with those index funds. Yeah. Yeah, um, it's okay that we're missing some um, accurate numbers because there is a resource called Curvo, C-U-R-V-O. I'm not sure if you have heard of that before. I've heard of them, yeah, yeah, I've met them. Yeah. Um, it's quite a useful resource for uh, our listeners to evaluate different retirement plans because it's also available in English. Oh, yeah. So you can see what kind of state pension you're going to receive as a freelancer. Um, how to boost your pension through different pension plans, how to calculate your pension, and how to retire, or let's use it, use the, the buzzwords, how to achieve financial freedom yeah. through index investing there. I'll link all the resources mentioned today on our show notes, so you can have a look at them. Now, I had a look at the responses from our freelancers in Belgium community members on how they save for okay. pension. I see a lot of different combinations of options. Of course, it varies based on your individual financial goals to achieve, your risk profiles, how much Super risk important. are you. How much risk do you want exactly. to take? That's why, I come, that's why I gave the disclaimer as well. <laughs> There's just so many different options and it really depends on you personal like how much risk do you want to take uh, also your your horizon right do you, do, are you saving for your pension like or or maybe you want to buy a house in five to ten years like your answers what you're saving for is completely different so yeah, mm. good that you mentioned that yeah and also depends on the personal situation how much money do you have exactly despair um to name a few to give our audience an idea what your peers are doing to save for pension. Yeah, there are different combinations. For example, people say, I do pension saving plans plus ETF. Mm. I do real estate plus blue chip stocks. Yeah. I do VAPZ plus EPT plus traditional pension saving with tax deduction plus Tuck 21 product and what's left goes into some ETFs and a tiny bit of cryptocurrency. So basically what is most or often brought up as ways to grow their savings are supplementary pension saving plans, yeah. stocks, ETFs, index um, investing, crypto trading, Tuck 21 and real estate. I don't even know what TAC 21 or TAC It's an insurance is. contract. I'm not going to get into the details, but that mm. is one. It's also just a, a way underlaying there are stocks and bonds, basically. But that uh, TAC 21 goes through an insurer. It's some sort of investment fund, actually. It's probably when you're in the intermediate stage of investing, that is something that would just come into your mind or uh, it's a financial product that is, is really pushed through the through the banks and insurers. So I think that that's why people get it. But it's one of the things that I would say it's probably quite costly a lot of times. So yeah, the fees it, are high. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Okay. But yeah, I don't want to <laughs> I don't want to be like you never should have a, a Tuck 21. There there is advantages well, to it I'm as well. I'm going to ask you some very specific uh, okay. questions. Yeah, though. yeah, yeah.
it's also pretty funny to see、um, some comments like people say, "Oh, I know nothing about blacking, and I'm terrible at following up, so I'm just gonna take all my money back and put it in real estate." It's still a <laughs> it's 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 a huge problem. That's why we started our project, of course, because we we don't give financial advice.、Um, we we just want to train people. We find it so important. People know. So many things about so many different topics, but when it comes to finance, there, there's just a huge problem in our educational system. Like exactly, you, you know, I totally agree. Yeah, yeah. People need to know this because it's so important, it's and for important. Uh, for our generation, definitely. Like we know that our pension will not be enough, but how many people still come to that pension age and suddenly realize, like, oh, I should have saved up. Way more, or then the only thing they have is their house, and and if you have a long horizon, like if you have at least thirty, forty years ahead of you, there's yeah you can take some risk, and you don't need a lot of money for it. That's something we always say as well. It's not you don't need to be rich. You can start investing from twenty five euros a month or fifty euros a month. That's a talking about houses.、Um, there、yeah. are also people saying, well, you know, with such a shortage. In the housing market in Belgium,、mm. it seems morally wrong to me to use a property to make money from when I have friends struggling to buy or to rent. You know, also there are people saying, "Oh, I'd rather think about investing when we manage to get to a financially stable point, hitting that four figures in the bank account." So that leads to my next question: Okay, when or how early should we start? Investing, do you stand by the general advice that it's never too early to start investing? Let's say I have, well, of course, setting the emergency funds, the buffer aside. Yes, exactly. I have twenty k in my saving account. What should be the amount that I feel comfortable with to invest? And where should I put my money? Should I put my money all on ETFs, all on stocks, or you say half stocks, half、uh, you know, bonds or funds? Because they say don't put all the eggs in one basket. Exactly. To、yeah. diversify the risk, blah blah blah. Or perhaps I own two ETFs, one stock, one bond. Because they say, oh, we pick the safest borrowers. That's the state. Right. What are the pros and cons of each option, and how do we combine them to minimize the risks while having the best returns possible? Also, I don't want it to be too complicated. Yeah, exactly. Bob, that is a it's a long, a long question. To, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, but there is trade offs, right? So there is no one right answer. But like, so. First, start us with with the buffer. What do you want to set aside? A lot of economists will answer something around six months of your net income that you have aside for, for sure. As a freelancer, you can maybe choose a little bit more because you know you have less of a parachute or, or, or less insured maybe or something. So, but that's a first personal choice. A second choice is really something. The first rule is always diversify, diversify, diversify. So you want to. Have probably a, a little bit of everything, but the contrary to that is costs. So you have to pay attention to that because if you start buying lots of stocks, then you'll pay a lot of costs as well. So、um, yeah, it's really hard for me to say. Like it has to be like that, but like like let's break it down. When you start, to me, it makes a lot of sense to, for example, start with some ETFs, and then in ETFs you can have bonds. 
or stocks. Both are possible. So you know the difference, right? The stock is a, you're an owner of a company. You take a bit more uh, risk when a bond you give actually a credit to a company. So th there is less risk and, and the returns are normally a bit lower as well. But yeah, there's so but you can diversify between those two. That's still the traditional uh, portfolio, right? But a little you bit. you hold them for the long term? Yes, exactly. Yeah. What you don't want to try to do like Individual stocks are hard unless you're very interested and you want to make that homework yourself, right? Like you, you try to analyze a company. <laughs> what, what, what is the returns? How much profit does it make? What is the margins it gets? Like that, that takes quite a lot of time. It's doable. It, for some people, it's fun. They, they, it's they will do it. It's probably a part-time job. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. So I would say if you're, if you're one of the people who say like, I just want to save for my pension. I'm not interested in finance. I would say stay away from individual stocks. So buy in a mm. stock ETF. It's basically like an, like an investment fund, right? The, the only difference is that investment funds, active funds, then that's the difference. Uh, active funds will come with higher costs. A lot of times around 2% in Belgium. So that means if the, if the fund goes up 3 or 4% a year, it's not. A bad year then but if two percent actually goes to costs then the half mm -hmm. of the return goes to the fund manager or the bank so what does an etf it's not actively managed it, it, which means it, it follows an index now it, it's going to get a little bit complicated but for example in belgium you have the bell 20 it, it's not that famous but the most famous one in the world is the smp 500 what okay. is that yeah. what is the smp 500 it's the 500 biggest american companies in, on the new york stock exchange so what does an, an etf on the smp 500 do you just buy in one click a little piece of all those 500 companies so you can see immediate, immediately there is no fund manager who's trying to make a choice out of those 500 let's say like oh i'm um, believe that these 100 out of the 500 will actually do better and so i make this active choice and so you have to pay me two percent for that mm. With an ETF, you just say, look, I'm just, I'm happy with owning a little bit of every 500. And there's tons of research that every time confirms that actually it's super hard to beat the market. No fund manager, he can do it maybe one year, but 10 years, there's almost no fund manager who will actually do better than the market. So you can just follow the market by simply buying the S&P 500. But there is also the MSCI world, there is, the Europe stock 600, I think there's tons and tons of indexes that you can follow. And so it's the easiest way to invest in stocks, but also in bonds It's just buying an ETF. And so the big advantage is that you don't have to make choices yourself. There's, there's little preparation and little costs. Mm, because I feel like a lot of us, including me, myself, shy away from the world of investing is Absolutely. that we're we're afraid to make decisions because yeah. we think oh things are so freaking complicated and more complexity in the world of investing is not necessarily better it's it, like it's like the, the best analogy for me to understand it would be like for a girl you have a closet of clothes and every morning when you open it you just don't know you still don't know what to wear so yeah. that's what i'm working on um right now capsule wardrobe the less you have the easier the choices are i think it applies to investing as well right who like they love 
to present it complicated as well. That's why we mm. started thing because then they need your help. Like actually, you mean the financial advisors? Yeah, or, financial or, industry uh, in, in, in general. They 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 use a, yeah. like a, a lot. Yeah, they they use jargon, right? They use a language that is not aimed at really explaining to you. But so the advantage is that you first what we a lot say to people who follow our e-learning is for example start with small amounts you don't have to if you come back to your example of twenty thousand euros start with like 200 or 300 euros from that like and, oh, and, really? and yeah of course but you have small amounts That's get a bit of the hang of it and then once you have a couple of etfs that you like that fit your profile that you say okay this is this is uh, something i feel comfortable with this is i think an appropriate instrument to actually achieve my goals, you have to start with your goals. This is your goal, your pension, is it extra capital? So you, you do a little bit of homework, you answer a couple of questions to yourself. And once you have that, it's absolutely, I think you can easily say like with 20 minutes a month or something that that's done. Like there is no work in there anymore. And what do you mean by you get more comfortable with it? Does it mean you gain more knowledge, you're better informed? And on top of that, you nurtured yourself a habit of investing on a regular basis and consistently. What do you mean by more comfortable? Yeah, I think that with the risks, with how financial markets move, like, okay, it can happen that your money will go down 3% in a day and then the next day. And, and so oh, with the people, risks. Yeah, mm, yeah understanding the risk. the risk and also understanding that in the longer term, it doesn't matter what the news says, the news cycle uh, during a day. If you're really saving up for that pension, you don't have to follow it up on a daily basis it's it's you you can feel comfortable in the sense that you well diversified that you you took something for the long run you didn't pay too many costs and and so you don't need to try to time the market like they say like is this a good moment to buy is this not you never yeah, know so when the <laughs> market goes up people tend to i don't know yeah. mess up with their por portfolio exactly people are and that's one of the things that i like about etfs and 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 the decision that you say like look i'm i'm doing this for example always the first day of the month it's don't try to time it like oh maybe tomorrow will be a better day or the day after who knows it's financial markets <laughs> they, they always move and you never know why oh, you can explain it but you you can't predict it uh, and so always when people ask me questions about how should i invest they always ask is this a good moment i don't know <laughs> you should not not nobody knows so you you should not try to answer that question the best moment is is just nicely spread out through time uh, why not every couple of months for example if you say i can only save 50 euros a month then you could say like well i wait every three to six months until my amount is a little bit bigger until i've put the fifth like 50 euros altogether to about 300 euros for example another good line of thinking like how much money do i need is that your amount shouldn't the costs you pay should not be more than one percent okay yeah so like for example in in a lot of online brokers in belgium the biggest ones ask like seven and a half euros transaction fee so that means that you want to look at around 750 so then if you say i can only save up 750 every six months or something okay that's that's possible too or you can go to a cheaper broker they exist too yeah yeah so does that make sense so yeah to totally i'm just doing the calculation here so if i'm a beginner investor i have 
twenty thousand to spend, and I start with a tiny amount. Let's say ten percent. That would be two thousand euros. Yeah. Where should I stop? I already have my emergency fund. Yeah. Should I invest just all of it? <laughs> Um, also, there I would say I would so I would start with a smaller amount. See how that feels to you, because for a lot of people, money is、uh, for me too. Money is about emotions, right? So if you if you can't sleep with it, or you think I take a, a risk now that is too big, so say that you have your twenty thousand, you put your buffer aside, and you'll put that without any previous knowledge or preparation or anything, just in the market. You might start looking at it, panic. Get out of the market when it comes down, and start taking that emotional decisions that you want to avoid. So that's why I say start with two hundred euros, an amount that you feel comfortable. If I lose this, it's it's okay. You're not gonna lose it. That's not the point. But at least you you feel comfortable not checking it all the time or something. And then the next time you could you could start with two hundred, and then the next time you do a thousand euros, and you you gradually build it up with your experience. You also. Um, you, you you'll get the hang out of it. It's not rocket science, and to what people sometimes think.、Uh, like、mm. I said, they like to pr- pretend it's super complicated, but it's not necessarily. But that strategy of feeling whether you're comfortable with it and how comfortable you are with it, I think maybe we should start with that small amount that you mentioned、mm. and add it up. To a certain level, where you ask yourself,、hmm, if I lost this m- amount of money overnight, how would I feel? Would that help? Yeah, maybe. Or- yeah, it's not like if you're in this, your money is not suddenly gonna disappear because you're so well di- diversified through these ETFs, true, right? True, true. Like you're not in an individual stock. This and that's why diversification is so essential to what you need to do because. If you invest in a single company, that is the risk that your money will disappear one day. Or if you put it in a single bond, the issuer won't pay your money back because I don't know he goes bankrupt or there is、mm. a fire or whatever happens to a single true, project. Yeah, so true. through that diversification, you should not be too anxious that you will actually lose all your money. What could happen is that I don't know some pandemic breaks out and the、uh, the stock exchange crashes thirty percent.、Uh, That does happen apparently. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but preparing for the worst is、um, yeah. It's not it's not bad per se because it's like if I lose that amount of money tomorrow, would I still be able to sleep for the next five nights? Yeah, if exactly. If I can, then yeah, yeah, let's go for it. If you lose your sleep over where your money is, it's probably not in the right instrument. That I think that is a good lesson. Yeah, if you're awake at night about your money, then you're probably t- taking too much risks for your own appetite. And there's that is a personal question. There is no shame when you say like I want. My money in a savings account. Okay, you might be losing a little bit of money there through inflation, and and the the, the interest rate is too low, so it doesn't compensate what you lose in in purchasing power. But on the other hand, yeah, losing your sleep every night—that's costly too, <laughs> as a freelancer. So that that yeah, you you don't want to have that too. <laughs> Obviously, investing choices alone may not completely eradicate fossil fuel dependence, right? No. So, what can we do, Jasper, as individuals from an investing perspective, to、mm. help contribute to a greener 
future? In other words, what are the sustainable investment options available, and how can we align our values with our investment choices? Uh, also, there there is tons of different choices, and that's why we build our course to explain that to people that it is a personal choice. Like what I find sustainable doesn't need to be what you find sustainable. For for example, we we can have other opinions. Um, for example, let's say about nuclear energy or something. I think the the, the thinking around nuclear energy has shifted quite a lot with a lot of people because of the, the energy crisis. So I think the consensus against nuclear energy was bigger a couple of months ago. So you can see that it, the same with weapons, for example. There's tons of people who, were, who would say, like, I don't want my money to be in weapons, and I understand that. And on the other hand, there will people now like, well, that's naive. Let's see what's, happened, uh, what's happening in the world. So uh, there is tons of... of but I'll, I'll make it more specific. So there is... We talk about seven strategies. And so the basic form, and that's also the oldest form of sustainable investing, is that you're going to exclude certain things. And then that is, I don't want my money to be in oil anymore, which is, I think a lot of people will occur to that. Does that change the world? We can <laughs> discuss about that. But so that's only the basic form. Then an, another form is that you're going to score companies. Uh, and that's the ESG scores, where there's tons of criticism, I think. So. Some are rightly so, others not. But basically, is you're going to look at a company and say, how does it perform on, on the environment, on, on social policies? And how does it treat its personnel, for example, and, and on governance? And so companies get a score and you say, like, I only want to invest in the companies with the best scores in every sector. Do you get that? Yeah, that's, yeah. What, that, that's what they call the best in class approach. And then on, on the other side of the spectrum, it's, it's what's called impact investing. And that is growing rapidly. It's, it's only a smart part of the market now, but it's basically where you say, I want to contribute to actual solutions. So I'm, I'm not excluding certain things. I'm not looking at every sector. What company has a product or a service that actually we need for <laughs> to find solutions for the problems today and you that's like what i want technologies exactly that can be can be that also then you have to watch out that you're diversified enough of course you don't want to put all your money in some alternative and hydrogen for example because they promised the, the golden future so you you have to still think as a normal investor but there is options for for anybody like there's Tons of different shades of green uh, out there. Yeah. But we talked about ESG before, and yeah. I said I'll, <laughs> I'll talk to you about it later because we hear very often the criticizing voice that say, for example, 80% of your money will be invested anyway in fossil energy, mining, or other ecologically unsustainable businesses, while the remaining 20% left might not be invested in earth destroying businesses it will probably be used for questionable ones yeah and people also say yeah funds are not transparent enough it's about true. their esg criteria and the majority of the people who opt in green pension funds don't even realize it's it could be a sham on its own and there are also um scientific research backing that i was listening to a podcast called how how to money <laughs> okay <laughs> and they're talking about um simple to complex investment options yeah so um they quoted this research from columbia university so obviously there are a lot of um prestigious institutions around the world doing research on that 
Chicago University, London Economics, uh, School of Economics. And they find that, for example, the ESG funds perform poorly on one hand in financial terms. Fees are quite high. And opting in those does not give investors good returns nor necessarily improve corporate governance and or environmental impact. So what do we do? I mean, how do we ethically boost our pensions, our savings? Are there, I think you mentioned the ESG score, right? So are there guiding principles uh, for us to follow? I mean, resources, scientifically backed findings that Mm. could really inform us on how to make better if not more correct choices on sustainable investing. Mm. Yeah, it's it's a really tough topic. Eh? That is ESG. There is you mentioned a couple, but there is probably like thousands uh, oh, of, yeah. of of re- research papers investigating. For example, the, the the link between the return and and so what we always say is probably true sustainable investing you'll probably get around the same return so we never say your returns will be higher but i I don't think they necessarily will be lower either sometimes Mm -hmm. the costs are higher sometimes not what more fundamentally what i have a problem with with the whole system for example is that they they really look like through a, a risk lens so the question a lot of times that will be asked is what is the risk of climate change to this company well, for me, it's way more important what is actually this company contributing to climate change. I don't care about but So it's, it's a very investor's perspective. And that's what people should understand as well. It's, it's trying to assess the risks. Also, for example, on, on the G, on the governance level, is, is what is the risk a company will be in, in, a, in a scandal like Volkswagen with, with Dieselgate, for example. So they're trying to assess risks. This doesn't say anything about how does this company contribute to a better world. Then you need to look with another lens, and that's that impact lens. What I find frustrating sometimes a bit is that people are using ESG as a synonym for sustainable investing. Well, it's just a form of sustainable investing. And probably not a very sustainable investing like because yeah it's it's that risk lens that they use um so for many people i think it is a disappointment when they look in their funds like they have an esg fund and then they see there is an oil company in there and they're like how is this possible that's why we need to educate people that's what our pro- uh, project is all about you need to understand what your bank is selling you and and so when your banker says this is an ESG funds, he, he means we're looking through this, we give ESG scores and then they can, it's not necessarily means that they're excluding, that's the first thing that I said, the exclusion, the oldest form. If it doesn't say we exclude every fossil, then they will use this ESG scores to just to be the most sustainable oil companies, which is of course bullshit because <laughs> there is no sustainable oil company but it, the, the most sustainable in the sense that they might invest a lot in renewable energy like total energies does and and all of them do now right like they ah, oh, we also have these windmills that we built and that's how they end up in these the best or the most sustainable companies in your fund but yeah there, there, there is a thousands of funds out there so if you're not happy with your fund you need to move your money uh, and i think it's yeah, a duty as, first of all, the, the regulator is doing a lot, Europe is doing a lot, a lot of is changing to, to make this 
harder, right? Like we have to stop this form of greenwashing, absolutely. But it's also up to savers, pension savers to ask those questions. And and when you buy a fund or an ETF, yeah, have a look well, because the, the rules are explained in, in a couple of documents. And that's what, that's the training we provide to people. Like, how do you find a fund that is actually close to you, what you find important and to your beliefs and your values? And you have to make those personal choices. I've made mine. I know what I want. And what kind of questions do you ask yourself or uh, well, any principles I'm, I'm, that you adhere to? I'm really trying for, for myself. Like I said, this is not advice to other people, but I, what I'm doing, I'm trying to look with that impact lens to, to my personal investment. So I want to put my money in companies that have solutions that I think is important. And there is ETFs who do that. There is active funds who do that. There is individual stocks, there is bonds. So every financial product, you can look through that uh, impact lens. And that is because for me, that is fundamental and, and so important that I want my money to be somewhere where I believe it's contributing to that future. So solution oriented companies. Yes, mm-hmm. impact companies who, who but that is a small part of the market, so you, you exclude a lot. Yeah, I w- I'm not judging on anybody who has his money in a normal fund and so who is invested in oil. I just for myself, I've made that choice a long time ago that I don't want my money to be in oil. That's for me a no-brainer. But uh. I was, this is probably my last question to you today. <laughs> Do you know how That's long good. we've been chatting already? No, I have no idea, actually. 15 minutes already. Oh, wow. Okay. Time yeah. flies. <laughs> yeah. Um, wow. I was chatting with a friend of mine who um, is also a very senior uh, freelance photographer with like 30, over 30 years of experience. Mm. Uh, it's pretty funny that the year that he actually started freelancing was the year that I was born. (laughs) So I asked him, what would you have done differently if you had had a chance to start over? Yeah. And he said, financial literacy. Yeah. He said, from the get go, I want to know, I want to learn what we need to do to secure a financially viable future. So I don't want to be freaking surprised when I get a fat bill of social security or a tax Mm. and not knowing what to do, you know? Mm. So financial literacy, it's something we don't, we don't learn at school. Nobody has taught us that, like you said, but it's probably one of the most important aspects that you really have to be informative of. Um, So what are some common financial mistakes that you see people make or what kind of pitfalls that we should avoid Mm. to secure this healthy, long-term, viable financial stability? I I think people need to make a plan, basically, you know, so so you you start with your goal. So if you say, I want to save pension, well, calculate then how much would that actually mean? Do do, Do you mean then 2,500 a month? Do you mean 2,000 a month or or do you want 4,000 a month at the end of your life? And then you calculate, uh, okay, I'll I'll probably have maybe another 30 years to live times 12. So that's what I actually need. But does it mean in terms of numbers, the more concrete, the better? Well, at least to form an idea, right? Like, so if if you say like, okay, this is... You go to the government website, mypension.be, so you know then that, and then you know what you need to save yourself. And so you calculate back and then you start thinking about a couple of 
life questions, right? Like how much mm. risk do I want to take? I hope people say yes, but how important do I find sustainability? <laughs> and do I find sustainability important? And and so yes, what what does that mean to me? Uh, how how do I want my money to be invested? And so you you look for a couple of answers to do some soul searching, and that doesn't mean you have to take three hours or something. It's it's something that will come natural, and then you starting little bit by little bit you start to build that capital that you think you'll need to to have that safe future uh, so having a plan and execute exactly. on a consistent and regular basis yeah mm. yeah why are a lot of products super popular is because they force people to do exactly that right like they buy real estate and then they every month they have to pay the bank and that's actually a form of savings it doesn't matter that it's it can be expensive or not like every month you pay off your house so you actually are building on that pension pot same with the the government sponsored the third pillar pension right do people like it because they do it every month it gives them discipline and so you should actually try to build that yourself with the money that you the fourth pillar where you save up yourself and if it's a savings account if it's an etf or or any other financial product Try to exclude too many emotions. Like, don't try to, is this a good moment for the market to time it? Nobody knows. Um, so, yeah, th there's a couple of tricks, right? Like, there, there is the, the pay yourself first principle, where you say first of the month, when I actually receive the money from my clients, I put 200 euros aside or something. So then I, I paid myself for that pension first, not what what's left over at the end of the month. But I start with this because this is important to me. Uh, that kind of little tricks. And then you try to optimize auto it, right? Like no looking at the market every month. You just do that over every three months. It doesn't matter. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I'm thinking how to summarize it. So what I say, keep it simple would be a good strategy. Oh, yeah. Because let's be real, with a day-to-day -day paycheck, the amount of wealth that you have built that would actually allow you to invest with wouldn't be a super large or uber complex portfolio. No, right? no, no, no. Because if you're there, you'll probably need a financial advisor to take care of that. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> I'm talking about small amounts. Uh, I, I am also a freelance journalist. <laughs> that, that is not the, the sector that pays best. And I'm working on a side project my, half my time, and that is unpaid for now. So <laughs> that, <laughs> yeah. That's another topic yeah. that we can, we can discuss maybe in one of our next um, episodes. Uh, time to wrap up, Jasper. Okay. Thank you so much. Oh, thank for you for having me here hope that was interesting i could talk to you for many more hours with many more questions but um thank you so much i really appreciate it okay for those of you who would like to learn more about jasper wiekerman and his sustainable investing academy go to durzambleichen.academy where you will find an e-learning platform with programs and webinars for all levels of investors beginners more advanced investors And our Dutch-speaking audience can also tune in to his podcast, Het ABC van Belechen, where he yeah. answers all sorts of questions about this topic in more or less 10 minutes long, bite-sized episodes. Anything yeah. more to add, Jasper? No, no, that's a, that sounds perfect. Thank you. Okay, before I let you go, next thing to accomplish on your bucket list. Ha. My girlfriend is pregnant, so we were... 
would like to have a healthy baby boy that would be nice and then raise him to a, a fine fine young person that would be nice well I think. that's that's the cause of a lifetime on your bucket list yeah that's yeah yeah, yeah one, exactly so say. that that's basically what keeps <laughs> us uh yeah well what keeps us busy <laughs> nice one. yeah yeah exactly um pick three people to have dinner with who would would they be huh yeah the final I would probably, I, I studied history, so I probably go for like grand historical figures or something. So like you there. majored in history back at university? Yeah, no, ma- no, history, history and economics. Okay. Yeah, about, yeah. 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 yeah, so let's probably like, I don't know, people like uh, Cleopatra or, or uh, who who went through the ages and you would just like to ask her like how... how Crazy. I was it's watching a, a documentary on Netflix uh, on yeah. Cleopatra. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, I don't even know that it's much like about her if she's an interesting person or not. Uh, but yeah, I would like to like just hey, this is what we think of you today. Like <laughs> how much is correct? Nice. And then there is uh, yeah people with a huge influence like like say Jesus for example. I'm, I'm not too big on religion or anything, but it would be just so fun to see that, that like. The real person compared to what we made of him through through history through the two thousand years after him like that this is what we made of you and and just and then there is probably the oh, yeah somebody like Stalin for example right it was a, it was a bit the personification of evil or something so you would like to just see how it is to talk to somebody who has like millions and millions of that on his conscience like. How evil are you? <laughs> or something? Ooh, yeah, yeah, spooky. No, I would be. You? Yeah, I would be interested to to, to talk to somebody like that as well. So. Definitely. Um, best piece of advice you've ever been given. It has to do with my job, I think, because I, I I studied history and I was way more interested in politics and not really in financial markets. I rolled into it by accident because there was an opportunity that came to me and somebody, my mentor, he's still a close friend to me, said like, you have to see this financial markets and the numbers as a summary of everything that happens in the world and it's true everything that happens in the world has an impact like say elections in the US or 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 a drought in in Australia or or a hurricane there it always has an impact so he says like financial markets are for journalists actually super interesting to write about because they're an excuse to write about anything in the world and it's true like you can write about basically any other topic uh, even sports or anything and and give it a bit of an economic financial i don't know perspective and it helped me a lot to actually grow into my job and actually starting to like that finance because of, for me it's not that much about money actually it's about looking at the world and see what happens there mm, i would like to talk to you more on that linking the financial figures with let's say a drought yeah. in africa after we switched off our mic of course so thank you so much Jasper. my pleasure thanks for tuning in today this is the freelance forward podcast a show by freelancers and for freelancers if you want to be part of this journey Join the community on our Facebook group, Freelancers in Belgium, or get in touch via podcast at freelancersinbelgium.be. Feel free to ask questions and suggest guests, because we love your feedback. My name is Chin Chen. I hope you remember to take extra good care of yourself as you do your work out in the world. Keep on freelancing, and till the next episode...